All our lives, we're programmed from buying into other people's beliefs and limiting views of the world, and then we make them our own truths. Extraordinary Life Podcast is here to offer new perspectives that serve you and obliterate the ones that don't. Are you going to let other people's limits hold you back from your extraordinary life? Hey, Jennifer Merrifield here. Welcome back. This is episode 19 of Extraordinary Life Podcast. Today I want to talk about a little bit of a difficult topic. I want to talk about the kind of pain that happens as the result of loss. The loss of someone or something. Sometimes loss just comes out of nowhere and is a complete and utter shock. And other times we know it's looming, a death or a breakup maybe. But even if we prepare, don't you think it is one of the most difficult life challenges to go through? One of my intentions today is for you to feel understood and validated for any and all difficult losses that you've ever experienced. Because honestly, whether it's a small child whose hamster dies or their best friend moves away, or if it's a grown adult going through a breakup, a divorce, losing a job or a friend, missing out on an opportunity, um, experiencing the physical death of someone, or it could even be feeling like you failed or messed up something important. The point is, What may not be a big deal to someone else may be a painful loss for you. And that alone makes it completely worthy of validation and acknowledgement. Plus, we're really hard on ourselves sometimes, aren't we? Sometimes it's just really nice to be heard without judgment. And I want to do that for you. For some reason, um, in the last little while, I've been in quite a few conversations in and around this topic. And so I'm hoping today's podcast may really help some of you to lessen your pain and maybe get a new perspective to bring you some light, some relief, some healing. Um, Let me first, uh, with their permission, warmly dedicate this podcast to some of the people that I've had these conversations with recently. Eric, Garen, Faye, and Addison, this is for you. So let's acknowledge how loss relates to anything that comes to an end and feels bad. And bad can be anything from devastation to anger, shock, trauma, sadness, all those things that we don't much talk about, but man, they can feel like a metaphorical sucker punch to the gut. You know, that oh, that kind of hurt that just takes your breath away. For instance, let's take grief. It's most commonly associated with physical death, right? When someone dies, but there's so much more to it. And there are so many more types of death that rightfully so cause us to grieve. What about the loss in the death of other things that are important to us, like dreams that fall apart and never happen, or missed opportunities we can't get back, or the death of a relationship through separation or divorce, or what about when a promise is broken? Doesn't it feel like the death of trust? Or could we even go so far as to say that there are times in life where we feel like there's been a death to love? This is powerful stuff. So while death just means the permanent end to something, grief is that intense sorrow or intense distress feelings caused by experiencing death. Therefore, what I'm just trying to get across here is that any loss can feel like a death and and bring on grieving. It's simply the ending to anything meaningful. And meaningful is all by interpretation. You get to be the judge of what's meaningful to you 
regardless of what anyone else has to say about it. That said, let's take a breakup or divorce for instance. You could be devastated that you didn't want it to end and that can cause you to feel helpless, even feelings of desperation at times. On the other hand, you could be the one who initiated the breakup. Your ex-partner just might not be feeling like much of a match anymore and you maybe even, to say it nicely, you maybe even flat out dislike them now. So your immediate feeling could be more like anger and disappointment. But that said, you could also be grieving what once was very important and meaningful and could have been very important and meaningful And there could be some deep sadness and heartache buried beneath the anger. So whichever angle you're suffering from, it's still loss and the pain still hurts. Sometimes I'd say the best word to describe the pain of loss is overwhelm because it's hard to pinpoint all the time what's actually going on, right? Like sometimes we feel mad one minute and the next we're bursting into tears. You know, sometimes we're just super neutral and it's more like a, like, numbness like nothing right since emotions are not always to control oftentimes we try to use logic to deal with our pain for instance you know let's take something that happened and fell out of our control like the death of a loved one Um, you know we may feel an urge to try to logically make sense of it there can be such a deep hard to fully grasp almost shocking feeling to the finality of death can't there I remember, oh, over 14 years ago now, uh, when my dad died, aside from the sorrow that I felt, I had thoughts of like, wait, no, I don't, I don't know how to accept this. I can't fully grasp the finality of this. He's too young. There's more to say. There's more to do. You know, it's like the logical part of my brain that always figures shit out just couldn't figure this one out. I got it, but I didn't get it. Does that make sense? No do-overs, no control Z. It just was, and it was, accepted or not, it wasn't going to change no matter what I thought or what I reasoned or how much I wished. And it's not too different than if you've ever grieved a divorce or a crumbled dream. It's that irreversible, helpless feeling of not being able to to change or control something. And that's kind of hard to wrap our head around, isn't it? Then there's the other side where we feel like the loss that happened was to some degree in our control, maybe at some point, and maybe it was our fault and now it's too late to change it. That's when those awful feelings of regret and guilt and shame get super heavy. It's that, that whole other kind of pain, right? When we feel to blame in some way, we relive all the details in our thoughts over and over. What could have been different? What could have changed it? We blame ourselves for what we did, what we didn't do, what we could have done, what we should have done. And because it's so painful, it's magnified in our minds. It feels even worse. We give so much focus to it that it overwhelms and consumes our thoughts wherever we are, wherever we go, and it can negatively affect other areas of our lives too by interfering with our focus and our energy levels and our ability to discern and make decisions and, and function. Bottom line is, it never feels good to not be in control, right? We don't want to be wrong to not be right or understood or appreciated. And when we suffer a devastating loss, we can feel an almost desperate need to be in control of something because of the fact that we can't control what's lost and we struggle to control our feelings about it. 
So what do we do? Some people retreat and withdraw, giving them <clears throat> control of not letting anything in that could be painful. I mean, you can guess the side effects of that, right? Shutting people out, not doing the things that give us joy. Other people do the opposite. They lash out aggressively or point to someone else's shortcomings to redirect their pain and take the focus off themselves. It's like, if someone else has a flaw that's worse than mine, look over there, look at them, and I get some relief to feel better about myself without the spotlight on me. And you know what? And anywhere in between those, you know, is how people um, can react. Honestly, going through traumatic life events can bring out the best and the worst in us. It can motivate us to live more fully and appreciate life more. And it can do the opposite and send us on a downward spiral that feels like we're just fighting to stay alive. I'm sure you've seen examples where losing a loved one can bring families together and show the fragility of life and then be a catalyst to forgiveness and acceptance. But then again, it can really bring out our egos and defenses and who gets the frickin' tea set can literally tear families apart. Unfortunately, there's no chart that I can share with you that tells us how long the pain or grief from any type of loss is going to last. Again, it's highly personal and individual, just like it's also very per a very personal experience in the way loss is expressed and felt. Have you noticed that there are so many unspoken stigmas and expectations around how we should feel and what we're supposed to act like that it can lead to feeling guilty and ashamed if we're not grieving or reacting to a loss the way society seems to expect us to? I remember feeling guilty for experiencing some sense of relief when my dad died. I mean, relief definitely for him for not having to suffer anymore, but the guilty part was for feeling relief for myself around being able to rest and breathe and not see him suffer. And for a while that felt really selfish and wrong on many levels, like I shouldn't be feeling comfort in any way because of his death. After the initial sort of shock of a loss, there are a couple different roads that, you know, most often taken to deal with the pain of loss if we're not the rare person who has super healthy support systems and open conversations and mentoring on a regular basis. That's kind of rare for most of us. So these two things um, are numbing and masking and see if you can relate to either of them. If, for instance, um, you go through a divorce, a breakup, or a job loss that leaves you feeling deeply saddened or highly distressed, and by the way, distress can be a combination of many emotions, sadness, anger, frustration, even disgust, one common way to deal with that kind of pain is by wanting to numb it, to make it go away. Think like alcohol, food, stimulants, excessive sleep, or other excessive behaviors. There are lots of ways to numb the pain, but in doing so, we create new problems to deal with, don't we? Poor health, missing work, gaining weight, getting sick, and then comes the shame and self-criticism as a side effect of the side effects. I mean, it just seems like a formula for staying stuck, doesn't it? So numbing the pain of loss is one way to deal with it. Another is masking it. It's like avoiding it, you know, convincing ourselves it doesn't exist through distraction tactics. And we do that because sometimes the pain is just too much. Like when you see someone who just experienced a great loss or disappointment and it doesn't seem to phase them. 
Have you ever seen that? They're composed, they carry on with life, they seem fine, maybe they dive heavily into work or projects or partying. Have you ever seen, seen someone go back to work like the day after a traumatic event or a family funeral or something and everyone jumps in with their so-called well-meaning advice, aka judgments, um, you know, why aren't you at home? Aren't you sad? How are you functioning? I would be such a wreck. And honestly, it's all well-meaning. It's just confusion. As humans, we have the need to understand when others don't respond to something in the way we think we would or should. So whereas sometimes we need to numb the overwhelming feelings of loss, other times the loss is the thing that can cause us to feel numb. And when that happens, those people want to feel something. Why do you think cutting is a thing? I used to work with youth and what I heard over and over from those who cut themselves was they just wanted to feel something, anything. Now, if the evidence of the cutting was more obvious and in plain sight, it was more likely to be a call for attention and maybe help. If it was hidden, it was more likely associated with embarrassment and shame around the need to feel and the fact that they didn't have that. As frightening as it seems that someone, especially youth, would do that to themselves, we need to realize that it's not for inflicting pain and leaving scars, it's for the need to feel. We all need to feel accepted like we belong. You know, it's no different than an adult overdoing it with alcohol or drugs or sexual promiscuity. None of those things are reason to shame anyone. In fact, they're reason even more to love them. Remember this, hurt people hurt people. Happy people don't hurt people. Here's the thing, if we strive to be a little slower to judge people's behaviors and instead really try to see why they're behaving that way, we will always find a human being behind the behaviors who's hurting deeply and needs guidance and love more than judgment and hatred. And when I say guidance and love, I mean that with boundaries and with a backbone. In other words, inappropriate behavior doesn't have to be accepted, but we all need love and experience and acceptance when we're hurting and we get to practice giving that to others when we're the ones with the strength and they're the ones without it. So if someone is in shock, um, they may be squashing down all kinds of emotions and feelings that they maybe haven't ever experienced before and they just don't know how to handle it. I mean, I've had clients who you would see them in public and you'd think they were very put together, very composed and confident and yet Privately, they're experiencing utter turmoil emotionally. I mean, on some, some levels, we've all done that to some degree, haven't we? And hey, maybe others are you know, experiencing that in public and then they go home and carry on as usual. Continuing though to squash and squash down the feelings as soon as they arrive to the point that they even convince themselves to some degree that they're fine. But all that pain is going to bubble up to the surface one day. It could be as subtle as getting snappy with people for no reason, being unusually cold or curt. It could, you know, be a complete emotional blow up. But when we squash down so much and don't allow it to release out, at some point, it's quite likely going to manifest in, internally in the body, internally in the mind with things like gut issues, headaches, stress, nightmares, insomnia, or worse yet, some kind of illness. 
Never assume with anyone that the picture is the story. In other words, how someone appears may be no accurate representation of what's really going on for them. And maybe this is you too. They could seem like the baddest, meanest person there is, and they could be really, truly hurting and sad inside. Just like the calm, composed person may go home and cry themselves to sleep every night. So whether we numb or distract ourselves or both, at some point, if, if, if we want to heal and grow and move forward, we're going to have to acknowledge what we're really feeling and let it out, release it. I mean, we don't have to, we can numb and distract forever. Some people do, but that's not going to give us any relief. Numbing and distracting are actually brilliant coping mechanisms because sometimes we need them for actual survival when the pain is too great and we don't yet have the tools and we're not ready to use them. So let's talk about some solutions. Uh, You know, one very comforting truth is knowing that um, what you can always change is the perspective and meaning that you give to anything. First of all, I would never tell you not to feel what you're feeling or that it's wrong. I'm going to suggest we find a way to help you honor what you're feeling without having it infringe upon your ability to also move forward and also experience joy in your life so that you get to choose both. Feel the anger, feel the guilt or shame, feel the deep sadness and distress and overwhelm of loss, but also choose life and joy and love and forward energy movement. Okay, so you may not want to hear this or you might not like this, but I'm going to suggest that there is something good to come out of any and every loss and naming it will offer tremendous relief and release. So I know you're going to ask, how could there possibly something, possibly be something good in death, in losing a loved one or a painful divorce or losing a dream you worked so hard for? And we could definitely write long lists of what's not good about those things. And I would never argue or try to take that from you. That's your truth. But let's build up some focus on the other side of that truth too. When you have the thoughts of, I can't, ask yourself, how can I? And let your mind and let your heart search for solutions. When you find yourself coming up with thoughts of worst case scenarios, ask ask yourself, or what's another possibility that feels good and refocus as much as possible. When you feel stuck and overwhelmed, that means your focus is surrounded or even feeling smothered by your thoughts of discomfort. Try zooming out mentally and even physically, as in direct your attention to something in the physical distance and describe it in detail. It could be down the hall or a tree across the yard. When you do this, you physiologically and mentally soften or turn down the signals of immediate threat and your stress will start to dissipate because you've unlocked your intense pain focus and put it on something neutral and non-threatening. It's a really great tool to try. Um, Here's another one. Ask yourself for direction. This one is where you check in to see which direction you're focusing on. If you're more past focused or future focused. So when we're uncomfortably focused in the past, we feel things like sad, stuck, regret, 
guilt, shame, and grief. Those are the slow to no energy movement feelings. That's when we need to move, go for a run, dance, jump, swim, shake it out, walk briskly, engage in activities that get your energy moving. moving. It's not a time to stay focused and still. If we're uncomfortably focused in the future, we feel things like worry, anxiety, stress, overwhelm, frustration. Those are the more scattered energy feelings. That's when we need to slow down a little bit. So things like meditate, breathe deeply several times, nice and slowly, talk to calm people, do activities that involve more intentional movement like yoga, slow walks in nature, gardening, or certain martial arts like Tai Chi. If you're feeling any kind of guilt or shame around your loss, remember um, remember that we talked about not judging someone by their behavior. This applies to yourself as well. If we want to grow and succeed, shaming and self-criticizing is not going to launch us forward. And repeated self-punishment by not letting it go only closes us off from seeing new opportunities and possibilities if we're solely focused on something we did wrong in the past. In this case, my best suggestion is to ask yourself, what advice would you give to someone else who was in your situation? Because when we detach ourselves from the scenario, we get more clear and we always have the answers within us. If you're feeling like you're really missing someone and it's hard to be happy and function normally, ask yourself what they would want for you. If you're in a situation where you're missing someone, um, maybe someone you're broken up with or an ex-boss who's not really pleased with you at the moment, Ask yourself what the most loving, compassionate person, real or fictitious, you could think of would suggest to you. And what would you want for someone who was grieving about the loss of you? I knew a woman once who lost her child and for years she just couldn't function or allow herself to be happy because it just didn't feel right. But we explored other possibilities and when she thought about what her child would have wanted, she realized the best gift she could give him um, in his memory was to have the best life possible and to find as much joy as possible for him because that's what she would have wanted for him had the roles been reversed. And hey, you still get to be sad. You know, some people find it really helpful when they feel the emotion coming up. Instead of trying to hold back for hours and days, just excuse yourself and give yourself permission to be all out sad for a specific period of time. So set a timer for like 20 or 30 minutes and go through the photos, read the letters, have the memories, cry, you know, yell about how it's unfair, anything goes, and just release the energy. Because when you do it in a specific way like that, um, there's relief because you get to move on, you know there's an end to it, and then you carry on. Um, And you can do it again whenever you want to. So the last thing that I want to address here is when the loss we feel has some anger wrapped around it. 
like when we break up with someone who we feel did us wrong, hurt us, maybe was inappropriate or mean or abusive or just shitty in some way. This is the stuff that can fester. It is so not healthy. And if we don't release it, we often find ourselves playing out the same situations in new relationships over and over. And who wants that, right? Now, releasing it doesn't mean arguing and yelling and posting mad stuff on social media here. Releasing, and you might not like this, is finding love for that person. Screw that, right? No, I'm serious. Think of it this way. Every time we retell or even rethink a negative story from the past, we lock it in as our truth more and more. No one forces us to, we choose to. And by choosing to focus on how we were duped or used or abused, we energetically put ourselves in a victim state. It affects our physiology, our blood pressure goes up, our fight or flight instinct kicks in and alters our mood and the chemicals that are released in our bodies. It affects our health. We get headaches and stomach pains and insomnia and more. It affects our productivity. We spend our time gossiping and complaining instead of talking about things that bring us joy and opportunities. It affects our relationships. We're certainly less fun to be around when all we're doing is complaining. We assume our new dates are going to be the same. In essence, we create our future from the past, from hanging on and reliving it through thoughts and words. And the worst part is we're choosing it. Yes, that person, the ex, may be all those terrible things. They may have made really poor choices that you felt truly hurt by, and I acknowledge that pain for you. But you can either choose to carry them with you and allow yourself to be repeatedly hurt by focusing on one perspective of those memories, or you cannot allow it to define who you are and what your future looks like. You can learn from that relationship and use it as a launch pad to go forward into an extraordinary life. You can even thank that person for all the lessons you learned that you don't want repeated in your life. You can acknowledge that you have made, may, maybe made some poor choices as well and learn also from them. And finally, this is the tough one, but this is the one that will truly set you free. You can love that person. And I didn't say love their behaviors. You have every right to have boundaries around how people treat you. However, just remember that behaviors are not who we are. Behaviors are an expression of how we are feeling in the moment. And if you can love the person behind the behaviors, you set yourself free. That's when your loss becomes a gain. I believe in you. Thanks so much for listening. And hey, if there's a topic you want to hear about, definitely let me know so I can dedicate a podcast to you. In the meantime, this is Jennifer Merrifield, personal excellence mentor and coach, wishing you an extraordinary day.